Well, the military mandates are over. Apparently, throwing people in the brig, beating them up, screaming and yelling and threatening them to take the bioweapon shot has quieted down for now. But of course, the damage is done, isn't it? Those military troops that took the shot are mostly dead, injured, or will be one of those two at some point in their lives, while those who were either kicked out or left as their only perceived choice have horrific stories to tell. What about our military readiness? That's what I want to know, because they knew what they were doing. Tonight's guest was on the inside, so I invite you to join us tonight. This is the Dr. Jane Ruby Show, and you're about to enter Truth in the Military. Welcome to the Dr. Jane Ruby Show on this Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I'm glad you're with me tonight. Well, I've been saying all week that it's critically important for us to keep our eyes on the United States of America during these times of worldwide strife, because we are under invasion and we are under attack, uh, medically, financially, by our own military leadership and by our own government, which I believe has been co-opted by foreign and domestic enemies. And people often ask me, why can't the military help us, Dr. Jane? Well, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that my focus has been saving babies and children and our military from this devastating bioweapon. The rank and file of the military are equally victimized and terrorized, just like you and me, by this tyrannical government. Well, Brianna Cespedes is a Cuban-Mexican-American that loves our Constitution, a broadcast journalist by trade, and a storyteller at heart. She was unlawfully discharged from the United States Air Force in 2022 after almost five years of service because she said no to the COVID-19 bioweapon injection masquerading as a vaccine. She now speaks about her experience, quarantined for more than 140 days, reprimanded, demoted, and ultimately hit with a general discharge, all due to an order that's now been rescinded. Her goal is to bring awareness on the issue and ultimately help and support other involuntary veterans. And Staff Sergeant Brianna Cespedes joins me now. Thank you so much, Sergeant, for being with us today. It's, a, it's an honor. Thank you so much. It's really an honor for me. Well, I'm really glad you're here because there's so much to talk about with regard to this. Uh, and there's quite a story, too. So before we get into it and a little bit of the background on that, um, tell us some of the things you've gone through. Now, I named them in your introduction, but 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 t to tell us, let's go down the list of things that you had to endure in this ridiculous situation. Yeah, I mean, just on um, the top of it, I can tell you that there was a lot of um, discrimination against people that were not vaccinated. So, um, I mean, I was isolated in my own workspace. I was not allowed to be with my coworkers. Um, I wasn't allowed to enter coffee shops because I didn't have that QR code um, and a lot of quarantines. So over 140 days that I experienced isolation in the COVID barracks mm. um, two at a time, right? O about over a year. So a lot of um, a lot of hits. I was told a, lo a lot of peer pressure, a lot of higher leadership pressure as well. It came from all sides. Yeah, uh, let's break down a couple of those things, if you don't mind. Um, what what were the what was the pressure? Can break out the pressure a little bit by your superiors. Were these discussions? I mean, whatever you can talk about. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And then if you you certainly can't talk about something for one reason or another, you let me know. But what did that pressure look like? Was it physical? Uh, and it, was it was it uh, was it done? If it was verbal, was it done in front of other people? Tell us about that. Well, it was it was a mix of all of them, to be honest. Um, the first largest pressure of course is coming from the civilian world the media we're mm. getting a lot of pressure from there i was stationed in korea when the vaccine mandate came out 
So of course we had that pressure from the Korean government and then the US um, base. We were always trying to keep relationships careful with Korea. So they were extra hard on us. We were isolated on base already. And then those who didn't get the vaccine were even more isolated because mm. we could not move from, even from one building on base to another, we were, freedom of movement was, was not allowed. Um, and we also um, were just put into isolation far more than the rest of our peers. And most of us are young, right? So I'm 24 years old and I was just trying to um, survive and get through. And most of my peers are just trying to go home and party and you couldn't do do anything. So a, a lot of that that pressure from the peers, of course, they're all saying, okay, I'm just gonna get it for convenience. Mm. And then leadership, um, my major command commander, so MAGCOM commander, he directly contacted me and uh, which, and did not CC my supervisor, which you have to, from that high of a rank, normally you have to always include your supervisor. He wasn't included and um, told me that I was disobeying a lawful order, that I would be dishonorably discharged, that I could face court-martial, all of these things, right? So um, just in my position as an E4 at the time, it scared me a lot. So you have a lot of the verbal, you have the pressure coming in from the physical, you can't move, you can't go anywhere. They're actually isolating you away from the rest of your coworkers. Um, and then of course, just the pressure from the outside world as well. So and a, a, little, a little bit about this quarantine war, you, you weren't ill, correct? When you were no, quarantined? I mean, for, okay. Let's see, let's see. So I, I forgot how many, I counted over 140 days. So two weeks, that could have been, I don't know how many times that was, right? The math is not so good on that, but let's say like by the eighth time, right? That I was in quarantine and these are each 14 days. I was not sick for any of those. It wasn't until uh, I was in Belgium, which was within the last six months of me being in, that I actually got COVID for the first time. So after about two years of going through quarantines and uh, being sent around the world, I still had not got COVID. And then when I did get it, uh, it was over within three days. So the only quarantine that I actually should have been in quarantine was over a period of it was in November of 2022. So, and, it, I mean, 2021. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, because you, you've had a lot to deal with, um, and certainly all of that. Uh, but we, we know, and we've known for some time, that there is no validated diagnostic test for not only whatever COVID was, that flu, but nothing that can differentiate flu from regular flu or a bad cold. Um, three days duration, you probably just had a basic cold, but they were, but they were going along the party lines, weren't they? They were, yeah. you know, test. I mean, were you subjected to, um, in like testing against your will as well with the swabs repeatedly? I mean, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we constantly were experiencing, um, so we were tested anytime anyone had any sort of cough. If I was in the grocery store at the same time that somebody who tested later for COVID and was positive, oh. had it, right? So just, I mean, I was constantly being tested. That was just a normalcy. I expected to bump into that almost every other day. But then in quarantines too, what I have to tell you is that um, I was experiencing back to back. So yes, 14 days, but then I was actually experiencing, they were saying, no, you have to go back in. I maybe got one day out, one day of freedom. And then they said, no, you have to go back. So this was a constant being put into this isolation. And when I say isolation, I can describe what yeah, it was. Yeah, please do. Like. Yeah. So in, in Korea, we would call them the COVID barracks. So you, you have your normal barracks, right? Your dorm rooms. And this was on an army base at the time. And you're, you're going in and it's just these large building, a bunch of rooms. You go inside and then there's a bed, four white walls, a window. You have some internet. And then a guy that brings um, a cart three times a day and he brings you a meal, right? And then you're allowed to, after the first seven days, you can go outside for 45 minutes in a tapered off yard. Um, and it's, that was the life. So I was living, it felt like in, an, in a mental institution facing these white walls. I remember entertaining myself with playing the shadows game because I had 
nothing oh. else to do. Just I felt like I was going crazy and just pacing back and forth from wall to wall, wondering what have we come to? Yeah. What what are we doing that that we are are isolating our members? I'm not even sick. I haven't had any reason to stay here this long. It was it was infuriating, really. The sheer absurdity of it and the waste of money, the waste of time, the waste of your skills and talent and your training, not to mention. Um, clearly, d- would you agree that this was really basically punishment for saying no to the shot? Yes. I mean, after I had put in my religious exemption request, mm-hmm. I experienced so many more quarantines and they just came out of nowhere. For mm. some reason, I was being sent way more than my peers. I, months at a time that I was just disappearing. People were like, where were you? Oh, I was in quarantine. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Your your peers didn't even know for sure. Not all of them knew that you were put in quarantine in this sort of punishment no, I mean, world. It would happen, wow. So it would happen off and on and I would show up at work and then I wouldn't, I would yeah. yeah. Uh, are your, are your, are those peers uh, that put some pressure on you? Like, Hey, um, Brianna, just do it. You know, I, I did it for convenience. You know, what are you doing this to yourself for? Do they, do they regret it now that they, that they took it under those, you know, conditions? I remember one of my peers, smart guy, really, really smart. And he was actually working within preventative medicine and he saw the whole process. He saw how they did things. And he's like, look, I don't believe in this. I know that this is uh, just messed up the way that we're going about it. And he told me, he said, but I'm not willing to take on that fight because that fight, once you start it, everyone's going to come and attack you. Mm. And he told me the same. He said, don't do it. You're going to get killed. They're going to kill you. Don't do it. They're going to rip down your all of your uh, reputation that you have built up. These awards are not going to mean anything. You're going to lose all of your your benefits and your ability in the civilian world later on. Uh, so he, he encouraged me, just don't do it. Mm. And even now, actually, as I tell him about what I'm going through, and um, I did lose benefits to go to school, for example. I don't have access to the GI Bill. Yeah, I'm but gonna, I'm I'm going to get into that a little bit more in a bit, but um but yeah, that that's a great broad brush stroke. I mean, so so you were saying he is he still telling you you didn't make the right decision? What's Well, he actually told me uh, I sent him an article when um they were discussing back pay for the service members that got kicked out. Uh I sent him an article and was like, "Hey, guess what? I might get a big bonus." And he was <laughs> he's like, "Dang it." <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we still have a good relationship. He does regret getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, most of the people that I talk to still in the military, the ones that, um, that I didn't even know, I would tell them, Hey, yeah, I, I used to be in the military too, but I got kicked out cause I, I didn't get the vaccine. And they're like, you know, I wish I would have done that. Most mm. of the people that I speak to were that were in the military did not want to get it. Mm-hmm. Most people felt something strange about it all. They couldn't match the the facts that were being told to us and then the the actual um, responses that were coming back. The data was weird. Information mm. wasn't transparent. So many people had a problem and most of my peers um, were just like, oh, just, just don't bother. Mm-hmm. It was the leadership that was telling me, hey, look, you have to do this, otherwise you're going to be punished. Okay, and so that's where I'm experiencing the so so that leadership that was putting the pressure, threatening you, you know, you're gonna do, you're gonna lose, and, and all those things were probably not true. You're gonna you know lose all this and be court-martialed and all that. Did they themselves take it as far as you know? Like, did they believe in it? They, you know, my master sergeant did. She really believed in it. She believed in any order that came through, she would obey. It just mm-hmm. that was that was the way that she took it right so she never questioned the orders and mm-hmm. actually i do believe as um, we are told to have integrity service before self and excellence in all we do that we are to look at the orders and ask ourselves is that a lawful order mm. we can't just take any order that comes to us because we're trained to be critical thinkers just as much as we are to be people that submit under the orders we say okay I swear to defend the Constitution. Does this order align with the Constitution first? 
Um, and my master sergeant didn't think that way. She thought that any order that came through, that's what she would obey. And I understand that's, I mean, I understood the conflict there. Yep. So uh, she genuinely did believe and genuinely did treat me according to not obeying that order. Mm. Um, my commander, my major command commander, he actually told me as I was standing in blues in front of the Zoom camera, because he was back in the States, um, he told me, you know, I wish I wouldn't have to do this. You're a great asset to the Air Force. You're a great asset to our unit. I wish that I wouldn't have to do this, but my hands are tied. I have mm. to. So he didn't want to, but he still acted uh, under what, what they were pressuring him to do. You know, um, the rest of us out here who didn't take it either, we survived a great psychological operation that came at us from many avenues, but we it was nothing compared to what you had to endure. And I have to tell you that you, you are a, a beautiful young woman, but you are incredibly strong uh, and uh, with, with, you know, with great instincts, but super courageous. Um, wow, um, what a terrible loss for our military. Um, now that people have a better idea for you know, some of the highlights of what you went through, and I, and I do want to talk more about some of the losses that came with that. I, I want people to understand more about what a general discharge really is. Kind of sounds nice, right? But it's not dishonorable. It's not honorable. I don't know what. So let's go into that when we come back from the break. But before we have, we have a, a few minutes um, here, uh, I, I would love to ask you about your, your background in the military. Why did you choose the Air Force? How did, how did everything lead up to this? And, and five years is a huge commitment and a huge um, uh, contribution. Right, right. Um, so actually, my contract was for six years, so I didn't actually get to even finish that. Mm. Um, and I wanted to make a point on the strength. Thank you for, for the compliment. But really, I, I give all of that credit first to my Lord and Savior, Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then second to my dad. Um, mm. He uh, just passed away last year, and oh. he was my cornerstone. I mean, Jesus is the cornerstone that my dad was like right there. He was right beside him. <laughs> he was a little stone. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. And really, um, my dad was the biggest, uh, fan of me being in the air force. He always wore the air force t-shirts, uh, oh. and he always called me soldier because he never knew the difference between airman and soldier. Um, <laughs> but he, he honestly was the one that, that was very, um, just, helping me to stay logical throughout mm -hmm. this very emotional time. Um, cause I just wanted, I just wanted to, to like give up I, many times. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give up, especially as, as I felt I can just, this can all disappear if I just let them put that thing in me, you know? Um, and my dad was the one that was encouraging me. He actually, uh, did the freedom convoy as well. Oh, so he did. Okay. I, I'm super proud of him. I have to, I have to oh. give that. Yeah. Uh, but I can see yeah, I'll tell you about um, just a little bit of my background. So I grew up in, in California. I am a sister of, of five, so there's five girls. And we all grew up Bible-loving, Constitution-loving, patriotic. We're Cuban, right? So we know the closeness of communism. We know mm. what socialism leads to. We know that freedom isn't free. And mm. that's why I joined the military, because freedom is something that I... I very much believe in and that the Constitution is something we have to stay and to defend. So I wanted to join an organization that would help me defend the Constitution wow. um, and then become become an attorney later on and continue in that and pay for law school. Right. So uh, th those were my motivations for joining. Yes. What, what kind of work did you do? Well, when you weren't involved in the craziness of them quarantining right. you and, you know, putting your skills to waste temporarily what <laughs> kinds of training and what kinds of things were you about in in the air force yeah so i got the best job i think in the air force uh it was a broadcast journalist mm. if you know the movie morning vietnam that adrian connor i believe the movie's based on right mm -hmm. uh so i had that job so i was dj cubanita my name was uh, <laughs> little Cuban. Yeah, I was That's playing cute. the the music, the Latino music. I had to obviously talk about the communication um, efforts for the commanders, and we had to 
discuss any emergency mm. anything right so we did have to talk about covid quite a bit and i mm. that went against my conscious a little bit but sure uh we, we were the communicators. I learned broadcasting. I learned video journalism. So I, I loved the field. I got to get to know people's lives and, and I tended to be pretty good at it. I got a lot of awards for it as well. Um, in Korea, Stars and Stripes gave me the best DJ award for the year. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was super <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, someday when you get out of law school, we're going to talk about that too in the next segment, but when you get out of law school and you put that together with broadcast journalism, it could be an interesting postmodern, you know, kind of mix. So we go. Uh, great background <laughs> and um, a, a beautiful, proud American. Uh, let's take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we will get into more of what's what's going on there now, and I want to ask you a little bit about our military readiness as well. So um, stand by, Sergeant, and we will be back uh, in just a few minutes. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with the nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I really love the towels. They're really great. They're super absorbent. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know we're having the biggest clearance sale ever. Get our six-piece towel sets for only $29.88 with your promo code. My towel sets are made with proprietary technology and include two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get our six-piece towel sets. Originally $99.98, then on sale for $49.98. Now we're closing them out for only $29.88 while supplies last. Once they're gone, they're gone, so please order now. Hi everyone, Dr. Jane Ruby here. Many of you know that I promote products that I believe in and have vetted, but I also promote products that I use myself. I want to introduce you to Cardio Miracle, the world's best nitric oxide supplement. I'm getting reports from not only the general public, but from experts like Dr. Kevin Stillwagon, a frequent guest on the Dr. Jane Ruby Show. He's a treating doctor and experienced commercial airline captain, and he's reporting that Cardio Miracle is making a difference in reducing the symptoms in the jabbed, protecting people from the effects of the microclotting caused by spike proteins. It's delicious, and I mix the scoop, one scoop, in eight ounces of water twice a day. For those of you who've taken the jab and are concerned about your cardiac and circulatory health, my conversations with Dr. Kevin Stillwagon and Josh Yoder from U.S. Freedom Flyers in an upcoming interview on the Dr. Jane Ruby Show will show you them describing the benefits and the reports they're getting. So check it out at mypowerheart.com. Learn more and try it for yourself. That's Cardio Miracle at mypowerheart.com. Com. Enjoy. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the second segment of the Dr. Jane Ruby Show tonight. I'm honored to be with Staff Sergeant Brianna Cespedes from formerly with the United States Air Force, and we've been getting an incredible uh, background from your experience, Sergeant, and I have to tell you, it's you're an incredibly strong woman. I want to hear more about what you went through. I want people to understand that just because I think people think that just because the military mandates have kind of quieted, even though they're probably, I want to ask you, are they still implementing it, even though they told us they're down? And let's talk a little bit about, well, we'll go from there to religious exemption and what it really meant to ask for one. But so so yeah. what's happening now that the mandates are down? Is it all nice in there or are they still, well, you should get it. What are they doing? So one of my friends who's currently stationed in Japan, uh, she did get the vaccine. That's how she was able to stay in. Mm. But they, uh, she didn't get the boosters. And this was a couple months ago now, but they were telling her, hey, we'll give you a day off if you get the booster. And I think that they're they're still trying to, um, from my knowledge, which is just based off of her experience, mm -hmm. they're they're still trying to like almost finish these off. Like, 
hey, let's we have them. Let's 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 get rid of them and and use them. So um, I mean, they're trying to incentivize members to get the boosters. Um, even in California now, they're talking about another booster. So anyway, so they're um, using they're they're going more the carrot. The stick was yeah. we'll put you in the brig. We're gonna you know dishonorable discharge. But now it's the carrot, like you really should get it, or if you really want me to give you favor as your commander, you know, you might get more. It's almost like, you know, here's the carrot. Yeah, I mean, they have nothing legally to, well, they didn't have it before, but they don't have anything now where they can actually, um, there's no mandate. It's been completely rescinded. And actually something interesting within that rescission, the word rescission means to not just to take back, but it means to actually rectify, to make it better, to as to where it was before. And that is the part that they are not doing. So um, mm. I've noticed that with that, that mandate that they, they actually gave us, they have gone through and now they have nothing to say for those who are in still or want to get into the military. They can't mandate the vaccine. But for those of us who have been suffering because of that mandate, there is no that nothing has been given back. We are not in the same place that we were before. Have they reached back at all to anybody or you or anybody that you know of to say, listen, if you want to come back, we'll restore you, but you're not going to be at the same rate. Anything, any kind of gesture? So the Air Force, I was reading an article on this recently. The Air Force has not admitted, I think we have less than 10 people that have rejoined uh, since uh, that were kicked out for not getting the vaccine, right? Um, the jab, really. And uh, I know that the Marines, yeah, the Marines are the ones that have actually brought in the most people. They brought them back. Mm. One of my friends that was a Marine, he uh, was receiving texts. Hey, come back in. We'll give you this, blah, blah, blah. Come back. They were asking him to come back. I have never received a request to come back, maybe because I'm too outspoken mm. about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, I, I just, because I just, um, they were either pressured to leave or they just wouldn't take the shot and they were given options that you know were only including to leave they have to be infuriated and now that they're out here hopefully some of them understand that like you said it's not a vaccine it's actually a bioweapon it's a gain of function dangerous poison it comes in many forms it's got many different things in it depending on where you get it what day what vial and all that other stuff which i don't have to you know, luxury one, you certainly know the dangers of it. But how do they even have the nerve to reach out and say, do you want to come back? Come back to what? Um, if they change it tomorrow to a new mandate, they're going to put themselves in the same situation? And the injustice, too, is that the DOD has not made any sort of movement in the regards to, hey, guys, we dealt with this wrong. Or, hey, we put you in isolation for this amount of time. How is your mental health? We, okay, within the military, the Air Force, every single quarter, right, we get a, um, a long briefing that usually lasts about one to two days, work days, where we go in and we're listening to all of these briefings on our mental health and on suicide, because suicide is such a huge issue within the military. Mm. I mean, the rates for suicide compared to COVID deaths in the military are unspeakable, just, just the difference in the deaths. And what are we doing to our members who we are telling them, okay, first of all, we're going to track your every single move. I remember when they did, um, uh, they called, what was it called? COVID tracking. When they were tracking, right? All, all of our moves, every single thing. They mm. threw me into quarantine. I was, I just showed up at a doctor's appointment and then they said, hey, you need to be in quarantine because you were at this place. I was oh, like, what? my gosh. Oh, they were tracking and tracing your whereabouts, which is how they knew, hey, your colleague had it, even though you're not sick. And did you did they test you first before throwing you in quarantine so, for so exposure? They tested me, but the test results didn't come back for three days. Oh, so I so I ended up going to a doctor's appointment. I was like, OK, cool, whatever. I'm going to go back. And they told me, oh, you were in this place. It wasn't even my work. It was some other place that you had been in for this amount of time. So now you need to go into quarantine. And I remember receiving a call from the nurse and she was like, okay, tell me every single thing that you have done in the past 16 days. She wanted to go back 16 days. And I remember saying, 
okay, um, I went here, I was at work there, I uh, went to the grocery store, I did this. She's like, okay, how many times did you go to the bathroom on that day, seven days ago? I'm like, what? I, I don't, I don't remember. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember how many times I went to the bathroom last week. Like, so it's just, just crazy amounts of tracing, right? So they're, 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 they're watching us constantly. They're putting us in isolation. They're telling us that we have no morale. They're telling us that we have terrible character, specifically if we have um, asked for the religious exemption request. Yeah, let's talk about that. that. Let's talk about the religious exemption. Now, really, it wasn't a way out, right? It was just no, another, no, it, you flagged yourself for punishment, right? Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, and that's, that's the part where it was like, we, we, are, we are treating our members so wrong, wrongfully, mm-hmm. And that's what I really want to get across that, yes, we had this this ultimate um, punishment where we were discharged with less than honorable. But what about the everything in between? And that's where I'm talking about those suicide rates that were so um, that went so much higher because of this. So when it came to the religious exemption, my personal Mm -hmm. experience, I had requested religious exemption, which is our right that we have. There's instructions, DOD instructions. I'm reading here the religious liberty in the military services, DOD instruction 1300.17, right? We have religious liberty. They tell us all the time, hey, you lost your bill of rights when you joined the military. No, we didn't. We have instructions that maybe limit some of the ability, like freedom of movement and certain things, but we have not completely lost our constitutional rights. That is not legal. And um, I just remember being treated and flagged and punished Mm -hmm. for requesting a religious exemption request. Mm -hmm. So, and then I was demoted as well. I thank you for calling me staff sergeant, but I was actually never given the rank. I was about to promote, I had my line badge, and then they non-recommended me for promotion due to requesting a religious exemption. As far as I'm concerned, since I'm a taxpayer, um, they were operating illegally, and to me, you you earned and have the rank. So we're calling you on the Dr. Cool. Jane Rimmer Show. Sergeant Staff Sergeant <laughs> Brianna Cespedes. <There> you go. <laughs> um, can I ask you, let's talk a little bit more about this um, general discharge, because you can help educate me as well. I'm not a, not a military person, and I had a few people in my family serve, but not close enough to really understand General discharge, honorable, dishonorable, what are the different types and what does the general that you were kind of forced to take, what what does what does that mean after you tell us what are the different ones and then what does yours right. mean? So honorable is the basic characterization that you get if you do a decent job in the military. That's the one where um, you you follow through, you don't do anything terrible, okay, like or you don't even do anything that um, like is felony worthy because mm-hmm. honorable is, it's pretty hard to not get an honorable, I'm not gonna lie. Unless you do something like smoke weed, fail a PT test, those are all general. So if you uh, don't get an honorable, let's say you smoked weed, you get a general discharge, okay? okay. You disobeyed a lawful order, got it. PT test, that's a medical um, admin type of discharge, which is also under the general category. But it can even be as bad as a court-martial where one of my friends was sexually assaulted and this guy that did this to her, he got a general discharge. Mm. The same exact characterization that I have, this right. guy has. All the way up to that crime, he got that. <laughs> so I am, I am on the same playing level as this guy who has committed a sexual assault against my friend and has really caused serious trauma to her. And and that really, really got to me. That was really sad. Um, and then a dishonorable status is felony, court-martial, AWOL, things where you, you really are, um, you're like a felon. And you can't have anything with that discharge status. Really, you're um, regarded in the civilian world as less than. Um, it, 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 it sounds like it's almost like you never served if you were dishonorably discharged. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. It'll ruin all of your opportunities. Okay, okay, because you may have to answer that on applications and things like that. Yeah, dishonorable is, is, is very bad. So let's yeah. talk about your discharge. 
um, you had no choice. You had to take a general discharge, which could be a wide range of crimes, right? Yes. <laughs> Crazy as that yes. sounds. So tell us about that and, and help us understand what are some of the things that you lost because of that after this stellar service record. Right. So uh, in the beginning, they were telling me I was going to receive a dishonorable. So I'm really mm. thankful to the senators that were pushing Biden to not give us a dishonorable because I believe President Biden wanted to give us a dishonorable for not getting the vaccine, mm -hmm. which is a crazy thought to me. He wanted to completely ruin our lives. Um, so a general status, wow. essentially what it allows you to do is um, I still have the medical benefits because I am service connected and uh, you are regarded kind of in this middle category. However, you don't receive the GI Bill. And I just recently found this out. I was under the impression that I could have the GI Bill. And I was sad to find out that VA education does not give it um, because of that characterization. Mm -hmm. So now I, I'm, I'm stuck in possibility to go to school, employment, opportunities. I mean, I know a whole unit of guys that have a general discharge status and they are trying to find options. They're doing self-employment, they're doing vocational, they're funding their own education and going into debt after they've served and been guaranteed the GI Bill. Mm. Uh, so it's really sad to me how many involuntary veterans are going through this and just like, well, can't do anything about it. And a lot of the, the VA education counselors are telling us, okay, well, go get your, your discharge upgraded because the mandate is rescinded, right? That's an easy solution. Well, it's not so easy because we're under a two-year delay currently just because of the amount of applications. There's no prioritization for veterans like us. So, wow. it's, I mean, at least two more years I can't go to school under this. So they're, putting, they're, put, they're just putting your lives on hold yes. uh, for, for a reason that wasn't valid to begin with. Why would they ever think that anybody would want to come back in uh, without the full restitution of all that and a written guarantee that regardless, even if I commit a crime, I get the GI Bill. I mean, I would hold their feet to the fire. Otherwise, you have nothing to lose. Tell them, you know, if they're not willing to do that. I mean, as a group, I mean, as a group, uh, because we are, but but who wants to go back into this military, Sergeant? I no, mean, I honestly speaking right now, I I don't know how you feel. I'll, I'll, you, can, you can say I don't want to answer that. Do you, do you feel that our government is currently and our DOD is run by foreign and domestic enemies? I mean, this was not a faulty management of a public health issue. This That's was a hard an... one to answer. <laughs> that, that really, it's interesting because Fair when enough. we swear in, right, we swear in to defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. and I do For find a myself, reason. <laughs> yes, foreign and domestic. And I really do, do highlight that domestic enemy because those can come through all sorts of different channels and different ways than we might assume. I tend to agree with Robert Greene when his book on defending, defending the Constitution behind enemy lines. Mm. I agree with his uh, conclusion just where we are in this, just in a lot of illegality and the DOD cannot get away with this because mm. right now at this moment, they can do it again. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm not 100%. gonna say. I'm not going to join because they, I'm not going to rejoin into this and submit under this again, because there is nothing stopping Secretary Lloyd from doing this again. Correct. He said in his memo, when he mandated the mandatory vaccination program, he said, we will not mandate unauthorized. If they're not fully licensed by the FDA, we are not going to mandate this vaccine. But what did they do? They kicked people out because we didn't get the vaccine and it was not authorized mm -hmm. so it's just the the right. the way they, that they were saying these things and they were doing something else it's like oh, no I, i'm not going to trust your word after that <laughs> right they, they can do it on a dime you're absolutely right they can resume everything trick you the whole bit um I, i'm very concerned and i want to i want to know if you're concerned and tell me why if you are uh, about our military readiness with so many good people trained people like yourself fighter pilots, I mean, all kinds of incredibly highly trained members. Are you concerned about our military readiness? Should we get attacked on our own soil? Yes. Yes, I am. I mean, from what I was um, exposed to, I would say that our military 
from the COVID uh, crisis, from the the woke policy, I mean, the, the woke political agenda going in, it is softening our military. And we are focusing more on these briefings, talking about uh, don't look at this person this way. Um, if you feel uh, like you're a guy, but you're actually a girl, we're focusing and putting our money and time into that. And the military is the one place that should be exempt to at least a degree from this political agenda, from the, the people, just just the media and, and all of those things. Like we should be a hub of, of like this privatized, just well-working, constitutionally based people that are kind of outside of that pressure. But the woke Correct. agenda coming in like crazy and the COVID policies are just... Uh, they really but messed us up. That's why I believe something else is at play that's intentionally dismantling our military and our our country. But that's my opinion. Um, in the last, like, you know, five or ten, we have some good time left. I, I want to turn to more hopeful types of discussion. You've mentioned a couple times that you're uh, either contemplating or applying uh, to law school. That's a great thing to do. It's a very difficult education to, to get. You can't like audit it. You know, it's very coveted and it's very powerful education because you can learn how to best serve the constitution uh, and, and, and all that. So what I, the reason I'm at, I wanna ask you to talk about it a little bit, what is your dream for becoming an attorney uh, after everything you've gone through and why do you think you might be able to make a difference with, with that? that law credential? Well, being a lawyer has always been something that I, I've looked towards because it's like learning a language. Mm -hmm. From what I know, it's like learning something that, that normal, well, people that don't have the legal education, they don't have access to. And I think that especially after seeing this COVID crisis within the military, everything is based on these pieces of paper and on these instructions. That was the only way that I could argue, hey, get me out of quarantine because this instruction says this. So you have to get me out at least a couple days early, right? So I found that it was for my own defense. So how much more does it apply to everybody else's defense? And mm. I, I'm very, very passionate about setting that precedence. And that's why uh, Involuntary Veterans, this group that we have started, it's bringing the precedence to where we are, will not be allowed to do this again. We had the Nuremberg trials already. We need another set of legal cases that are saying, hey, the military cannot experiment on our service members. And um, I know that a bunch of legal cases have been put out. Uh, nonprofits are, are doing free pro bono cases and trials for these service members. And I want to be one of those lawyers one day that does the same thing for people like in my case that are just going through severe injustices, it shouldn't happen again. Right. It's completely illegal. We just, we're chock full of evidence. We just don't have a lot of places to go to adjudicate it. And I want the public to pay very close attention to what, what you have said, uh, because they did this to the military coercion, you know, oh, oh, you have to be quarantined because you won't comply or you won't, you won't, or you were, you were, we traced you and you were at the meat store two days ago buying a hamburger. So we're going to put, we play very close attention because they're going to do that to civilians uh, in these 15 minute smart cities and all that. Um, I, I also wanted to ask you, um, well, in terms of your, you know, legal education, where do you think you can I mean, you, the general you, group of body of, you know, law lawyers, what, there there are very few places to go. Do you think it's going to go towards citizen, um, you know, grand juries and we're going to have to? I just don't see where else we can take it. There's so few courts left that haven't been part of this, which is why I see it in lockstep. There's something very evil, you know, happening that's taken over our military and our country and all the other courts in the world and all that other. So how, how will you operate? Do you see yourself operating? Because I'm sure you have, you know, you're young, you're going to go to law school. It's going to be a whole different world out there. How are we going to do that? You know, I, that is, that's a good question that I still have to answer because what I see, one example of what you're talking about is um, these, 
these law cases that are coming through, right? All of these good pro bono attorneys, they're going through Dale Saron. He's a really good one. Yep, I've worked and with him. Yep. We're, we're suing. Oh, your friends. Oh, great. We're, yeah, yeah. we're suing the US government. We're suing Biden, right? And they're coming out as moot because, and moot essentially where they're, they're done. Like the trial is over because this mandate has been rescinded, right? So it's, oh, so all of a sudden it's corrected. However, no, we are not having the full correction of the mandate back to where we were before. And that's the missing piece. The DOD is trying to sweep their mistakes mm -hmm. under the rug. Mm -hmm. And people like me who have are under the rug and we're like, hey, no, you can't leave us under here because we're suffocating. There are too many of us. And I really do believe in raising awareness. I'm thankful for the journalist background that I have. Uh, just raising awareness in the stories, getting it out there, and then pressuring, pressuring and saying, guys, we're still here and we need this to change. Absolutely. Um, so I, I have a lot of hope maybe as a young person, but I, I really do have hope that with, of course, with unity, like we're always told in the military, right? Together as one, we're stronger. Um, and I, I really right. am thankful like you that, that have platforms where we speak the truth and we're getting it out there and hopefully we will set that precedence again so it does not happen absolutely uh, absolutely because crimes have been committed uh whether yeah, you're whether it's the first place where they test and then it will go to civilians like you were saying that's right and uh if you if you do nothing else before the year's out i'll connect the two of you you need to work or talk to at least a paralegal uh, up in pennsylvania named katherine watt I don't know if you've heard of her yet. She's got a great substack. She actually did all the backtracking work, started like from the turn of the century, showing how each Congress, each president, each whatever, all these agencies, you know, all leading all the way up to the PrEP Act, have carved out for themselves the ability to commit mass genocide, critical injustices, things like that, because you two would be formidable, at least to exchange and cross-pollinate. Uh, Sergeant, where can people find you? I know you're... You're about to go out into social media more and more. We'll have you back uh, anytime you are available. I would love to be honored to have you back. But in the meantime, can people follow you on social media? Where can they find you and where can they support you? Yes, yeah, so we are Instagram at Involuntary Veterans, Facebook at the same name, Involuntary Veterans. And then I'm starting up a Rumble channel, so look out for that one too. Yay, so. go go subscribe to uh, Sergeant Cespedes's rumble channel that's a mouthful uh and and populate <laughs> populate and you'll when she does her shows because the information that you have from being on the inside i mean you know god has a reason for everything and you're going to be a formidable you know uh ally in this fight so uh last last word whatever anything else you want to share with people you want them to know uh, in addition to yeah. going to rumble and and following you there and involuntary veterans on instagram anything else yes definitely follow if anyone knows anyone that has gone through this that is also an mm. involuntary veteran we want to put out their story so please contact us um, on our pages and also we need to put the pressure on the senators there's one one bill right now well it's an nda amendment that we want um, pushed forward it's the americans act and it was written by senator ted cruz and it is um, going to automatically upgrade all of our discharge statuses so it's a really, um, really important bill. We just need to pressure our senators and get the word out. I hope so. I mean, uh, you have more faith than I do because I, you know, I'm annoyed and angry that they sat by and watched all of you suffer internally in the military while you fought your way through this. But, but that's just me. And I hope that maybe by bringing this to light and and you're working on this as well, that that they they will step up because they don't they don't have a lot of time left. So thank you. Again, it's Involuntary Veterans on Instagram. So they can DM you or say, hey, I've got a story. I just got yes, out yes. or whatever. And I also, it's involuntaryveterans at gmail.com. Email is great for me as well. So Awesome. You know what? We will put that in the link stack for the show. And um, we'll have my producer throw it up on the screen too so people can see it and you can copy it right from the screen. Uh, Sergeant, thank you so much for being with me and for sharing, you know, having the courage to, after everything you've been through, to come out and, 
and share the story because I hope it brings more involuntary. I love that term, involuntary veterans. I didn't want to be a veteran. I was serving. But exactly. It'll, it'll bring more involuntary veterans to, to you for that unity to strengthen your group. So God bless you and thank you for thank everything you, you've done. You bet. You bet. Well, I'll be back in a moment with a couple of closing words and some information that I want to pass on. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Dr. Jane Ruby here with a quick message on how you should be protecting your retirement funds, your 401k, your IRAs. Did you know that you can protect them with physical gold and silver to avoid losing everything that you've built over your lifetime? Please call the experts at Augusta Precious Metals at 888-836-1890. At least talk to an expert. Learn more about how you can protect what you've built up so that if things go crazy, as we know they will in this economy, you've got some of your investments protected with tangible physical gold and silver. Every bit as valuable as real estate, something you can touch, they can't turn off, you know, with a flick of a switch. Call the people at Augusta Precious Metals. They're wonderful. They will educate you on what this is all about and what you need to do. And they will also provide you with some warnings about how to protect yourself from other companies that may be spreading lies and scamming you. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 888-836-1890. Medical disclaimer, the Dr. Jane Ruby Show does not provide medical advice. The information, including but not limited to, texts, graphics, images, and other material contained on this show are for informational purposes only and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by your viewing or attempt to communicate with Dr. Jane Ruby. No material presented on the show is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have seen on the show. Thank you for watching.